More than a pleasure to have a Facebook friend of mine, somebody whose mother I absolutely adore, and somebody I respect uh, in her own right, Lisa Bloom. She's a trial attorney at the Bloom Firm, and she's a legal analyst for AVO and NBC News. She's also author of Suspicion Nation, the inside story of the Trayvon Martin injustice, and why we continue to repeat it. Think Straight Talk for Women to Stay Smart in a Dumbed-Down World, and Swagger, 10 Urgent Rules for Raising Boys in an Era of Failing Schools, Mass Joblessness, and Thug Culture. More than a pleasure to have with us Lisa Bloom. Hey, Lisa, how you doing? Good afternoon. Hey, Leslie, thanks for having me. I think you're the first person who's gotten through all three of my book titles without stumbling. It's a new uh, record. Actually, and it's probably the first time I haven't stumbled through that many uh, <laughs> titles. <laughs> so I must like you. It's a subconscious thing. You, um, you know, I've, I've also seen you uh, on Dr. Phil and uh, some of these other shows. Um, there, there's, uh, there's so much to talk about uh, legally uh, just today alone uh, in uh, this uh, news cycle. And I know we're going to talk about Donald Trump, but I think my crew, I hope my crew, and I think you'll be okay with it if they didn't, um, oh, good, uh, mentioned to you that I wanted to just briefly touch upon um, the findings and decision by the FBI, and specifically uh, the FBI's uh, director, uh, James uh-huh. Comey, and his constant speaking of that there was no prosecutor that would take this case, that there wasn't enough material to prosecute or to put forth an indictment, uh, the bottom line that carelessness is not criminal. Because you are a trial attorney, because you know uh, you know the the legal world and legalese. Can, can you explain to folks what this means? Because quite frankly, just because somebody did something stupid doesn't mean it was criminal. Correct? You're absolutely right. So the criminal law requires uh, both the act and the criminal intent in most cases, and that's true here when we're talking about uh, handling classified information in a sloppy way via Hillary Clinton's uh, personal email. So she clearly did that. He found that. Uh, he scolded her for it. He, By the way, that's unusual that uh, somebody would come out and do that when someone's not being charged. He would take the extra step and say, you look, you know, you were careless. You handled this in, imperfectly. Uh, but it's not criminal absent the intent. And that's the important part. Uh, he found that she simply didn't intend to do this. It was just done carelessly. And that none of her staff members did as well, correct? Right. You know, listen, it's funny because I have a personal email and a business email. I, you know, I'm not perfect in keeping the two things separate. Now, I don't handle, handle national security secrets, but I think most of us can relate to this, that, you know, something comes in from a personal email, it goes out, and, you, you know, you may not always get it right. And I think that's clearly what happened here. And Hillary Clinton has owned it. She made a mistake. She said that. She's sorry. I don't think this would ever happen again. Uh, she was a little sloppy in choosing which email to use, and that's really all this amounted. There was something that I was confused by, and I know they tried uh, to get to the heart of, but didn't really ask it, I feel specifically, or you know, just direct on point, which is Comey said that Hillary Clinton uh, did not lie to the FBI, uh, that she did not uh, perjure herself because she was under oath. Yet he did say that she uh, was not, um, honest with regard to sending and receiving emails that were classified or that were marked as such or contained material uh, that was classified. Some people scratching their heads m- mine as well. If to the public she said this, uh, but not the FBI, um, d- does that mean that basically she told the FBI something different perhaps? I know you weren't in the room. I'm just saying, mm-hmm, and, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? It's a little perplexing. Yeah. I think there's a big difference between a lie and an honest mistake. 
And I'm going to assume that Hillary Clinton was not tallying up and keeping track of every email as she was you know, sending and receiving tens of thousands of emails every year, as, as most of us do. And that when this became an issue, she went back and looked at what she had. And so she made certain statements, and some of them turned out not to be right. But I think what FBI Director Comey is saying is, you know, we went back and went through deleted emails and, you know, they did the, the kind of cyber security stuff that they can do, and they found more. Uh, but they didn't find that she intentionally deleted anything to subvert the investigation. She simply made mistakes. And, you know, who amongst us has not made mistakes in the use of our email, whether it's sending something to the wrong person by accident, using the wrong email. I mean, I think this is a very understandable kind of a mistake, and it shouldn't be considered criminal. We don't need to criminalize everything in America, every mistake, even a big mistake. Sometimes people can just learn from their mistakes without having to go to jail for it. Um, Also, Lisa, I I wanted to ask, because to your point, and I agree with you, it's not typical for somebody to chastise an individual that, in, in a sense, they've given a pass mm-hmm. to and said, mm-hmm. okay, there's going to be no indictment. And the reason I point that out is this, is, this man's a Republican. He was a Republican appointee who gave money to Mitt Romney's presidential campaign. And uh-huh. I, I was surprised no Democrat didn't bring that up today, uh, simply because Republicans are saying, you know, oh, you're being swayed by, you know, Hillary because she was former Secretary of State. You like her. You're in bed with her, so to speak. I wanted a Democrat to say, well, obviously you're not because you're chastising her, which doesn't uh-huh. help her campaign. It rather it could hurt her campaign. Yeah. You know, I really didn't find that to be appropriate. I think that's beyond the scope of his job. Uh, but he wanted to make a speech and chastise her and look you could look at it from a positive motivation maybe he wanted her to learn he wanted to make sure that this never happens again because it is possible that hackers could have gotten into her emails and gotten confidential information there's no evidence he said that that ever happened but it was possible and people do have to be careful when they're talking about confidential matters fine but you know when donald trump says after you know comey said that there would be no charges when Donald Trump says, well, the system is rigged, well, is it rigged when Comey made findings that are helpful to him and his side and said that she was careless and she made mistakes and she got some of the facts wrong? Or is it rigged only as to the parts that he doesn't like, right? I mean, I think there's something here for everybody to like and there's something here for everybody to not like, depending on which side of the aisle you're on. I think Comey went straight down the middle. He didn't charge her, and I think that's correct. But he wanted to point out, you know, she she screwed up to, to a certain extent, which I you know, want to emphasize again, she has already owned, acknowledged, and apologized for. And also, indictment, no. He says, DOJ says, we will take the recommendation. Would you agree this was nothing than political theater and Republicans saying, we're going to drag you through the mud, Comey, because you didn't give us the answer we wanted? Uh, yeah, I think it's a political theater, I, but I think they're entitled to do that. I think they're entitled to call him in and ask him tough questions. That's fine. You know, I'd like to see our political leaders be called in and ask tough questions more frequently. I was in England one time, and I went to the prime minister's questions. It was one of the best experiences of my life, where the British prime minister has to go in front of parliament and ask, answer very tough questions once a week from the opposing party at a rapid-fire pace. And boy, when you see what they have to go through and the, the you know, tough questions they have to answer right on the spot, you realize what a good system that is. Everybody should be held accountable for the decisions they make. We're going to be back with our guest, and when we come back, we're going to talk about uh, a decision you're not hearing much about, a decision that somebody made 
uh, to file charges against one of our presidential or, you know, presumptive presidential nominees uh, for one of the parties. But you're not hearing about it. We'll be back with Lisa Bloom, trial attorney at the Bloom Firm, legal analyst for AVO and NBC News. Back after this. We are back, and our guest is Lisa Bloom, trial attorney at the Bloom Firm, legal analyst for AVO and NBC News, and she's authored some great books, which I've read the titles of, and I will again before she leaves in this hour. Lisa, thank you for holding, and uh, welcome back. Thanks, Leslie. There is, um, and and, and I'm just so perplexed by so many aspects of this. There is a rape case, and not just a rape case, but a child rape case that has been filed against Donald Trump. And it would seem when Donald Trump stands up, even when he phones it in, the media takes attention, the ratings go up on the various networks, and Donald Trump stands and points his finger at Hillary Clinton, calling her an enabler, referring to her husband as a rapist, uh, as an adulterer, even though he has committed adultery. We know that impregnating the second wife while married to the first. Why, Why is it that not more people are aware of this rape case, these charges filed against him, and specifically a child rape case against Donald Trump, who's running to be president of our nation. Right. So I wrote my piece, Why the New Child Rape Case Filed Against Donald Trump Should Not Be Ignored, in the Huffington Post about a week ago. It immediately went viral and now has over 350,000 likes. This is obviously something that people want to hear about, they want to talk about, they want their, their media to cover, and yet the media is not covering it, as you say. As to why not, you're going to have to talk to representatives of the mainstream media to explain that. I will tell you that uh, since my piece went viral, I've done a few interviews. Overwhelmingly, it's been female reporters like yourself who have decided to talk about it. Certainly nobody is saying that Donald Trump is guilty. These are unproven allegations. But they are allegations that are made uh, by a woman who swears under oath in a declaration attached to her complaint uh, that she was sexually assaulted by Donald Trump when she was 13 years old at a party thrown by Donald uh, by Jeffrey Epstein. Jeffrey Epstein has been convicted of sex crimes against underage girls. He's a registered sex offender now. Donald Trump has linked himself to Jeffrey Epstein. And her complaint also has a witness declaration attached, uh, a declaration by a woman who says she personally witnessed the sexual assault of this woman, of Jane Doe, who filed a complaint. So that's enough for me to say the case is credible. Again, nobody's saying he's guilty, but this is credible enough that I think we should be talking about it and we should be investigating it. I agree with you, and that's why I have you on to talk about this. I do believe it should be uh, investigated, and we're going to talk more about the case and the specifics. Uh, But it's amazing. How many people know the name Lisa Juanita Broderick? Right. Um, Yeah, I know the name. Right. right? And if no other name, we know that name. The woman that accused Bill Clinton of of raping her, uh, then retracted uh, her story, uh, then brought it forth. Ken Starr didn't feel that she was necessarily a reliable and credible witness. I mean, the list goes on. And I, as a woman, have no idea if, in fact, that woman was telling the truth or not. But there are those Uh that felt at the time, because Bill Clinton was running for president, that somebody had come to her or that she wanted to come forward, whether the the allegations are true or not, because he was running for president, and she wanted to to, to help to hinder that, uh, stop that, prevent that. And and some might say the the same with this. The problem is there doesn't seem to be any kind of stopping, hindrance, et cetera, because not enough people uh, know about this. Has anybody in the Donald Trump camp, uh, re- responded uh, to this uh, filing by the anonymous Jane Doe 
you know, with, with regard to this case filed against him? Well, I've seen the reports that his attorney denies uh, that he had anything to do with it, uh, just as he denied all of the other claims that have been made against him. But as I point out in my Huffington Post piece, uh, this is the third claim of rape or attempted rape that has been made not just by women, but by women in court documents. And, you know, most rape cases never get to court. Most claims never get made publicly. But this is number three. Number one is Ivana Trump, his first wife. Uh, who said that in 1989, she said in a sworn a deposition under oath that Donald Trump had forcibly penetrated her angrily in a fight after he had a scalp reduction plastic surgery job that was botched and apparently very painful. He ripped out her hair and he forcibly raped her. That's what she said under oath. After they reached a financial settlement later on, she sort of retracted that and said, well, I didn't mean rape literally. I don't know how you don't mean forcible penetration, literally, but that's what she said. Number two, in 1997, a woman named Jill Hart filed a complaint against Donald Trump, accusing him of sexual harassment and attempted rape. And she stands by her story to this day, and I have the links to all of that in my article. So I think that context is important, and I think the context of Donald Trump as an you know, open misogynist, calling women dogs, pigs, blobs, accusing a, a journalist of menstruating, but, you know, trying to undermine her professionalism, saying, women, you got to treat them like blank, a word I probably can't say on your show. I mean, this is the context of the man that we're talking about. No question about this. And again, I don't I, I bet there are people listening right now, Lisa, that have never heard any of this, that are hearing this for the very first time, not just the case that we're talking about filed here in the state of California where you and I both. I think you live in Cali, right? Not New York. You live in California. I'm in Los Angeles. You're in Los Angeles, so am I. Okay, so we're going to get together sometime, cocktails. Well, why don't we get together? Yes, definitely. We're going to have cocktails together. At the the end of the show, I want to tell you something sweet about your mom, by the way, speaking of getting together in L.A. uh, from years ago, something that she she taught me uh, that I keep with me. But um, in in, in this, this is, like you said, this is the the third time. Again, why isn't anybody running with this, supposedly the liberal media that's so pro-Hillary and out to get Donald Trump for crying? out loud headlines like this um you know would have people tuning in to radio television uh, reading somebody's blogs buying somebody's newspaper or magazine and what a double standard i mean let's remember what donald trump said his unsupported and outrageous allegation that mexicans are rapists that's how he launched his campaign which is a completely false statement of course all mexicans are not rapists most mexicans are not rapists not even a substantial number are rapists but he was allowed to make that allegation which was reported everywhere. And here is a woman who has come forward with an attorney and a witness, and she's the third one to have done so, and we're not talking about it. Why? I mean, as I say in my Huffington Post piece, I think we have a rape culture. I think we have a culture that does not want to believe these allegations. One would think we had learned our lessons from the Bill Cosby case, where dozens of women came forward over the years, and, you know, people didn't believe them until finally uh, a male comedian, Hannibal Burris, started talking about it. It went viral on social media, and then people started talking about it. So, you know, I sort of took my case directly to the people by writing this article and getting all the social media momentum that it's gotten, and hopefully that will get you know, mainstream media to really focus on this and talk about it. I hope a journalist asks Donald Trump about it. This woman claims, this Jane Doe, that uh, Donald Trump uh, raped her in four instances, correct? Yes. She, okay. Uh, 
she claims that she had sexual relations with him four times. Of course, if she was 13 years old, it's criminal. It doesn't matter whether she consented or not. That's Absolutely. Correct. Lisa, although I know the details are very hard for some of us to hear, most of us, can you please tell us the details of what Jane Doe has specifically accused Donald Trump of doing, specifically during those instances mm-hmm. she claimed that he raped her? Sure. And this is based on the public filing that I have read that anybody can read, and the links are in my article. She says that when she was 13 years old, uh, she was recruited to come to sex parties that were being held by Jeffrey Epstein. And he's also named in the case. She says that she had sexual relations with Donald Trump four times, and the fourth time it was a violent, forcible rape where she lost her virginity. Uh, She says he then threatened her. If she ever came forward, he would harm or kill her or her family, and that for all these years she's been terrified into silence. And the witness, who is also under a pseudonym, Tiffany Doe, uh, corroborates all of that. She says she was the one who recruited her. She was a witness uh, to these incidents. So that's what we're talking about. And... So people understand, because you just talked about the woman, uh, another uh, Jane Doe, Tiffany Doe, if you will, who recruited her. Because some people are saying, what the heck's a 13-year-old doing at some man's home with uh, grown men who who want to have sex? Uh, One, uh, you know, two... Um, you know, this guy having this realizes this is illegal. Didn't he think that any of these girls would come forward? Because like you said, even if it was consensual, it's uh, considered statutory rape due to the age of this Jane Doe and probably many others there. Well, of course, the allegations are shocking. But since I prosecute rape cases every day, I handle civil cases like this every day. You know, this is the kind of thing I've heard many, many times. And let's remember that Jeffrey Epstein is a convicted sex offender for recruiting an underage prostitute, I think a 14-year-old in his case, uh, for sexual relations during the same time period. And many other women have come forward and accused Jeffrey Epstein of exactly this kind of behavior. So to say a 13-year-old girl shouldn't be there, well, of course she shouldn't be there. But in the real world, girls are exploited. They're taken advantage of their rapes. Uh, billionaires have sex parties and they get underage girls. And by the way, I have a quote in my article from 2002 where Donald Trump was asked about Jeffrey Epstein. This was way before he was running for president. And he said something like, you know, Jeffrey Epstein is a friend of mine. He likes beautiful women just like I do. And he likes them on the young side. So there's no secret really about any of this. It's it's really uh, chilling. You you talk in your piece, and you mentioned briefly here, that Bill Cosby taught us that we shouldn't disregard rape cases against famous men. Bill Cosby, everybody knew about it. Again, what will it take, in addition to people like you talking about it and me asking about it, to get this information out there? In in, in other words, is is Donald Trump going to go all the way through November and, and remain unscathed with regard to this, even in the eyes of the public? Well, you are talking about it. I am talking about it. You know, I wrote my piece about it, and everybody is talking about it on social media, or at least some people are. And, you know, that's the way it's going to have to be. Uh, You know, mainstream media, I think, in many cases, is afraid to tackle a story like this. They just assume that somebody accusing somebody of rape is lying. Uh, And that's unfortunate. We know that one in four girls are victims of sexual assault in this country. Uh, It's very, very common 
it's, uh, it's horrific, but it's, it shouldn't be something that we think, well, that couldn't possibly have happened. We're not even going to talk about it. The responsible way to talk about it is to say that this complaint has been filed, to talk about what's in it, to talk about the declarations that are attached, including the witness, to talk about Jeffrey Epstein and Donald Trump's long history uh, of objectifying women and girls, and then to say that they deny it. These charges are unproved. Uh, they, you know, we, we haven't even heard from the Jane Doe yet publicly. And people can make their own choices or just sit with the fact that these are unproved allegations that have been filed thus far. Listen, Gretchen Carlson filed a case against Roger Ailes yesterday. Everybody's talking about that. Those are unproved allegations, too. No, very, very true. And like you said, a media outlet covering a story like you wrote about in your piece is not finding guilt. It's reporting the facts. And that's what journalists should do. And there are journalists who have apologized for ignoring those who had claimed Bill Cosby raped them for years. Yeah, exactly. And people really fell on their swords after Bill Cosby story started to gain a lot of momentum because of social media and said, you know, we should have been talking about this much earlier. So, uh, I would hope that we would learn from our mistakes, don't you? Absolutely. Uh, speaking of that girl, because I had asked what would uh, prompt her to be there, Lisa, you and I live in Los Angeles. We know the casting couch is a real thing, and people uh-huh. that um, uh, get into a situation they didn't know they would get in and want what they want, fame, fortune, the job so badly that they can uh, en- end up doing things they didn't think they would do. It's terrible. It happens to both uh, males and females, more so females. And this girl wanted to be a model. She went to New York. She was told she needed a modeling portfolio. She didn't have one. She was going to go home. And then Tiffany Doe told her she could introduce her to men who could get her a modeling career at these parties. That's how a 13-year-old uh, you know, can be lured yeah. into such things. Because you know, there's a, lot, not, of ju- there's a lot of judgment story. out there. A lot of judgment right. when somebody cries right. Yeah. Well, there's, there's, but that's not even an unusual story. You know, I've been handling sexual harassment cases for a long time in my law firm here in Los Angeles, and there's plenty of stories like this where prominent men try to take advantage of women or girls or men, as you say, and, uh, you know, lure them with a modeling job or with an acting job and come on to them. I mean, that's really the oldest story in, in Hollywood, isn't it? Yeah, uh, no, absolutely. You talk about in your piece, and I, I love that you write about this, too, that nobody, you know, Donald Trump is innocent till proven guilty in a court of law. But, you know, lawyers such as yourself can say, are these claims credible? Are these allegations credible? And and you have done that. You've researched this, and your answer is yes, these absolutely these allegations are credible. Uh, they should not be ignored. Mainstream uh, media should not ignore them. You even say, mainstream media, I'm looking at you. Um, talk to us about what led you to find this this to be a credible allegation or these to be credible allegations against Donald Trump. Well, I read very carefully the federal lawsuit that was filed by a litigator out of New Jersey who's representing Jane Doe. I read the attached two declarations. He cites two cases in his complaint, which we lawyers typically don't do, but he did, on the statute of limitations, the time deadline issue. I read those two cases, and, you know, everything panned out. So let's start with that. All I think all of that uh, comes across as very real and very legitimate. Then let's look at the context of Donald Trump's life, his history of misogyny, which I mentioned before, the way that he's consistently demeaned and objectified women in disgusting ways. I don't think any of us would want to leave our daughters alone in a room with Donald Trump, given the way that he talks about women. And then secondly, these two prior claims against him. Uh, I 
would assume that most women, if they were harassed or assaulted by Donald Trump, would not want to come forward. And yet two others have. Uh, and now we have number three, this Jane Doe. And we also know a lot about Jeffrey Epstein and his conviction for very similar charges and all the other women who have come out against him. We know that Donald Trump is in Jeffrey Epstein's little black book, which has been publicly released. Um, so this all hangs together at this stage, in my view, as a credible story. Again, just meaning that the media should be talking about it together with Trump's denial. And as I say at the end of my piece, look, uh, things in stories like this typically can and do change. She could end up recanting. This could end up being completely false. But if we're going to assume that, we should also look at the possibility that it could get stronger. More witnesses could come forward to help her. More evidence uh, could be available to help her. So it could go in either direction. We just don't know at this point. But we don't have to know everything at this point to simply report accurately on what's been filed. Okay, and so that people understand, and forgive me if I'm, I'm wrong, I know we got to take a break very quickly. This was a federal lawsuit that was filed, correct? Yes, correct, yes. And, and so people understand why on a federal level and not a local level? Uh, I think that's because of diversity jurisdiction, meaning that the young woman is in a different state than Donald Trump, and so when you have oh, two people from different states, you can have a federal lawsuit. Okay, so we'll have to see where this goes. And Lisa, we'll have you back to update us on this and more. Always a pleasure to have you with us. Uh, Lisa Bloom, trial attorney at the Bloom Firm and legal analyst for AVO and NBC News. Quickly, your mom once told me, I said to her, how do you do it all? And she goes, you got to decide, do you want to do it? Can it advance your career? And are they going to pay you? And as I'm a very busy woman now, I think of that every time somebody asks me to do something. I kid you not. Give your mom my love and Lisa love to you as well. She should be proud of such a great daughter as you. Follow Lisa on Twitter at Lisa Bloom, B-L-O-O-M. The website, LisaBloom.com. Go to her law firm if you need help. She, like her mom, a great attorney who will fight very hard for you, TheBloomFirm.com. Lisa Bloom, trial attorney at The Bloom Firm, legal analyst for AVO and NBC News, and author of those great books. 